And welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and with me this episode, of course, my co-host Jimmy Lemke. Hey everybody, how's it going? And Jimmy, of course, is on Twitter at PantherU and at PantherU.com. And be sure to follow the Horizon Roundtable on Twitter at HorizonRT. Um, Jimmy, um, I guess I should apologize for taking up the entire time of last episode. Well, that's really more my fault than it was yours. How so? I'm the one who was talking the whole time. Well, it's because I wasn't there. No. <laughs> but that was not your fault. Well, um, for for those of you for those of you scoring at home, and I, I hope you are. Um, this is actually the second episode we're doing this week. Uh, the first one was my interview with uh, Cleveland State's head coach Dennis Felton, um, which was a really good, which was a really great conversation. And um, yeah, uh, I was I was not not to, I, I don't want to give you the idea that I was um, that I wasn't expecting anything out of you, but I was quite impressed by the the uh, the interview. I thought it was great. Thank um, you. I, well, I, he was more candid than I was expecting. Um, yeah, you know, over overall, it was a it was a good interview. You'd like to get. It's always good to get a chance to talk to the coaches in yeah. the off season because that's what they're. I mean, they're always excited about their team because there's always something going on, and sometimes people just don't get to see what's happening, so they like to get that little check in. You know, there's no games on the court, so you can't really, you can't you, know, you can't really check in on the team. So it's nice to get that little update every now and then and hear from the coaches and hear what's going on with the team. Sure, sure. Yeah, was a, yeah. I was really happy to get get that get that together. And again, I cannot thank uh, Greg Murphy over at Cleveland, their SAD over at Cleveland State enough for helping me set that one up. Again, true saint. <laughs> yeah. So, um, one of the things that kind of struck me in that. Uh, you know, aside from the last five minutes where uh, the, the last the end of the conversation where we were where we, you know, talked about George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic. And had I but known that would have been a great icebreaker, I would have started off with that. Well, honestly, I don't know why we don't just call this the Horizon and, and Bootsy Collins podcast. Because this is literally the first time we've talked about Bootsy Collins. Actually, you, Bootsy you didn't even come uh, up. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm just thinking of uh, of old Greg. Have you ever seen that video? The uh, old Greg, old, old Greg. Probably, it's been a while. It's, I'm it's, sure. It's, it's it, well, it's like it's like a 12 year old video of British like comedy, I guess. <laughs> and it's um, if that's what they call it, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. This guy's fishing in a lake. And he pulls up a fish, except it's just a guy dressed like a like a he's a scatter man fish named Old Greg, ah. and it's just it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, if you like if you like absurd if you like absurd videos if you like drinking Bailey's out of a shoe I would um, I would highly recommend checking out Old Greg, and, uh, and yeah they they get funky with some boobs so with a you know, funky ball covered with tits, not teeth, teats. And uh, yeah, Bootsy Collins is mentioned. Ah, there we go. That, yeah, I, I was wondering where that was going. I was... Well, I mean, I, th- I, I, I was expecting you had actually seen the video and we'd be able to call it back. If you've seen old Greg, there's no way you wouldn't be able to call it back. So I'm assuming you probably actually haven't. Probably not. Uh, if, it, if it's that old, probably uh, not. Now I have to look that up. So because um, it's a- yeah. So one of the other things that <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we're gonna we're gonna talk about old Greg and the next uh, the next podcast. But oh, okay, know, good to know. This is a podcast about basketball, so we should talk about a basketball. Covenant, Covenant Oh. Um, <laughs> all right. So, um, 
it's interesting because you know the the one thing that I that kind of did strike me is um, I I know Coach Felton is has for like the last year plus kind of you know pretty much focused this entire program around this idea of positionless basketball. And I know that's something that, that kind of struck you a little bit um, when, yeah. when, you, when you took a look at the podcast, oh, that, oh, the interview. Well, in Milwaukee, we, we, you know, the, in Milwaukee, the biggest thing right now is Giannis Antetokounmpo. So this idea that like basketball isn't a sport with positions or at least, you know, somebody who can play all kinds of positions it's a big deal. Um, and it, it's just, it's really popular around here lately. And uh, this idea that you can bring this into mid-major basketball, I think part of it's about the roster. I, I, yeah. we don't, he, he doesn't have a guy who's a, you know, ob- obvious center because maybe he doesn't have anybody on the roster who's an obvious center. Part of the, re- part of recruiting in mid-major basketball is, you know, taking those, people who are tweeners who who don't fit into what other uh you know what the high major schools recruit for mm-hmm. so maybe you're pulling a guy who's athletic and long but he's really thin he's real thin so he's you know maybe not like somebody that could really bang down low but he's got the skill set to do all that stuff he's just not that guy so you're you can't have him full time down low and a lot of times when mid-major players end up moving up to the next level to the NBA, you know, or, or, you know, transferring to high majors because they're tweeners where they kind of found their way and they got skill sets that maybe, you know, they, they develop skills that maybe other kids didn't develop at the high major level because they were set in specific positions. So I'm thinking of, uh, I'm thinking about guys like uh, like Robert Covington, who got on the 76ers, who's at Tennessee uh, Tennessee State, and he was kind of a, you know, he wasn't he didn't exactly fit any like NCAA Division One idea of small forward, power forward, whatever. But he could kind of do a little bit of everything, and over his time at Tennessee State, developed that, and then he became you know, a worthy player of an NBA spot and then he's developed even more and now he's even better. So grown yeah. over you know, to, to, to keep myself from droning on, you know, being able to put out a, uh, an entire roster of players that can play all kinds of positions and do all kinds of things just gives you all kinds of um, versatility with your roster that you otherwise wouldn't have. Yeah. So it's 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 important. Yeah. And and you know, if you look at the Cleveland State roster right now, that's that's basically what he's got set up right now. I mean, he's got the he's he's he, you know, he he's got those traditional guards, but he's also again, got got a lot of those kids who you would, you know, call tweeners who are athletic, 6566 could you know could play easily the two through four easily especially in mid major in in a mid major environment and and do pretty well so um, I think that is you know that's definitely the you know the, the this idea of that he you know the, this whole entire concept is kind of what he's focusing on and he's definitely got the he, he's definitely recruited around that philosophy. Um, I didn't catch about 80% of what you just said there. There's uh, a little bit of a distortion there. Bummer. Hey, when that happens. Yeah. Uh, what I said was the, <laughs> he's recruited around that entire philosophy of he's got yeah. kids, kids who are six, five, six, six. Um, again, you, you know, a kid, a kid, you know, some of the, some of the kids who are coming in, who are kind of, who are those, you know, long, Kids who are real thin, like last year when we brought, when he brought Steph Kenich in. This year, where he brings in Spider Johnson, you know, guys like yeah. that. Yeah, Spider Johnson's an exciting basketball player. Uh, I, I think he can develop into something special. I'm really looking. Got, they got a couple guys. They got a couple guys like that where they could they could be in a couple good spots and yeah. develop into some nice players. I, I'm I'm excited for him. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, the um, 
especially yeah, Spider Johnson, Rashad Williams, um, especially Rashad Williams. That that kid is. I, I've seen highlights on 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 Williams over the uh, during high school, and that kid is gonna be something. Especially when you got um, when you got Tyree Appleby sitting next to him on the court. Yeah, um, Rashad Williams is is worth. Is worth the price of admission. Um, oh, absolutely. That's a player you can. That's a player you can kind of build a team to support. Um, you can you can see that uh, you know a lot of people were really worried about a lot of the defections uh, in that in that first off season and then this off season a little bit and people are worried about it and I look at it as, as this is just it kind of like the the colon cleanse. <laughs> it's. Not sure, to say let's that the go play, with that. Not that they say those kids are shit. They're good kids. It's just that they were wow. part of the Waters. Yeah, they're Waters. Waters recruits, Waters players. They came to play for somebody, and then they have to play for somebody else. I'm sure that even if they, if even if they liked, you know, even if they liked play, like Felden, they, it's it's different than what they came to do. So mm. they may be a little, uh, yeah, they may be a little bit disappointed about it. So. It's a, uh, it's, it's okay. It's good. It's not always a bad thing for players to leave. Yeah. Sometimes the things don't match up and it's just better for all parties if they move on. Cause then that frees up a scholarship of which they've got four now. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it, it, you know, you always have to, I always bake into the cake, the, the, uh, the, 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 almost uh, like clockwork uh, fan freak out when those things types of things happen. I mean, for like a month, you know, I was reading on reading on reading fans worry, openly worrying that Steph Kenich was going to transfer somewhere. No, Steph Kenich isn't going anywhere. He's, he's staying where he is guys. (laughs) He's good. (laughs) Him and, and, and we talked a little, we, we also did talk about, we definitely talked about Kenich. We talked about, uh, we talked about Cash Thomas and we definitely talked about Tyree Appleby, um, who, um, as, as Coach Felton had stated, um, is the type of guy who does not expect to lose another game, um, throughout his college career. I'm totally good with that. I don't know about anybody else in the Horizon League, but I'm good with that. You, you need to have kids that have that that killer instinct that idea that you know they have to kill what you kill what you eat and you have to have this idea that if you're gonna if you're gonna eat that means somebody else can't eat so you know a kid kid for for appleby you get a kid like i i think williams is Yeah, and the other thing was kind that change the culture a little bit. Yeah, It'll show that this is this is a you know we're 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 here to win. We're not here to develop. We're not here to do. It. We're here to win, and that's actually a good thing because then that'll pick up from where they uh, that'll 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 pick up with the other players and they'll feed off of it. We saw it here about nine years. Oh my God, nine years ago. About eight years ago, nine years ago, when we brought in, uh, when Chad Boudreau recruited Kalen Williams from Kirkwood, he, he had played at Evansville two years, and he, you know the we, we he had played at Evansville for two years. He tra- he was played a or for a year played at a junior college in Iowa, and then he played for us for two years, and we had had a lot of kids that that were hard workers and hard playing kids and they were kids that would uh you know they they were kids that were always ready to go but we didn't have anybody who was just a a, a, pardon pardon my french we didn't have anybody who was an asshole on the court to the other team everybody was a nice guy and kayla williams comes in and you know he had that bandage on his shoulder because he had to cover up a tattoo that wasn't safe for children's eyes. <laughs> this is a, he was a, he was a bad dude. I mean, but when I say bad dude, I mean like he's a guy you don't want to mess with. And that was exactly what our team needed was for somebody to come in and be like, you know what? 
screw this team. We're going to come in. We're going to fight. We're going to beat them. And that, that kid, you know, he, he came in after in the 2010 off season and it was like a light switch with the team. They all fed off of it. They all kind of got this idea that, okay, we don't have to just be, you know, we don't, we're not, we don't have to just be like one of the better teams. Like we can be the team. We don't care that Butler just went to a final four. We'll punch him in the mouth. And he had a triple double against them. And we beat them two out of three games that last that that next year, and we won a title because he 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 was the kid that had that killer instinct that was just infectious with the rest of the team. I mean, you guys got to see how it affected Tony Meyer in Cleveland towards the end of that season. Mm-hmm. That 2010-11, that was it, like late February of 2011, when when we went down to Cleveland after you guys had pantsed us in Milwaukee and then Tony Meyer just went off for what was it like 30 points or something. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was something that Tony could always do, but he was never doing against the best teams. And Cleveland state was one of the best teams that year co-champions. So it was a, and, and I, I would say that without Kalen Williams, if we just had somebody who came in, that was just a distributor or something, we wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. If yeah. you look at all of the teams that in the Horizon League over the last, you know, since I've been here at least, since 05-06, all the teams that really had a, you know, all the teams that, came, that, were, that were winning championships, they, they all had somebody who came in and would not accept losing. Yeah. That didn't want to lose another game, as yeah. Felton says. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For, and... for, for, you remember Jonathan Bullock was like that. Oh yeah. I mean, he was just a bull in a china shop running around. For yeah. us, it was it was Tyvee. For uh, for Green Bay, it was Sykes. Yep. For Northern uh, Kentucky, know, it's Drew McDonald. Yeah, you know Drew McDonald is a guy who does not. You know, he does not. He doesn't fight. Or he he doesn't give up the fight. He all he's always looking for that next spot. Yeah. So for for Felden to talk about that with one with on, on Applebee, mm-hmm. and that's the other thing. That's that's a that's a big state if culture change. Yeah, There's absolutely. Nothing more important, right? Yeah. The and and I think and he also brought up the fact that you know when you got a guy like that. You, he's like, he, he buys into the point where he is helping bringing it help is, is a big boost and a big help when it comes to bringing guys in for recruiting trips. And, you know, he, he couldn't say enough of that about that. And I think that's, and that's probably true anywhere else around the league. Um, and one other thing too, uh, he did mention the fact that uh, the team is planning to go to Europe this year, uh, Italy, I believe. So there's, and he was really, he he's really looking forward to that because that's going to give him some extra time, especially with all these new faces, to kind of get these guys together at a time where he wouldn't necessarily be able to before. It, you, you get a you get a high level of bonding that you don't otherwise have because it's an experience that most of those kids, if not all of them have never had this opportunity to leave the country and go mm-hmm. see somewhere else. You said they're going to Italy. That's right. That's right. And he, he did mention that most of these kids have never been out of the country before. And it's funny because in 2010, summer of 2010, we went to Italy and then mm-hmm. won a championship. Yeah. And then won a championship. I mean, in fact, in fact, one, uh, when, when our, our wonderful athletic director had canceled our 2015 summer trip. Mm-hmm. God, I hate that I keep bringing up this woman, but <laughs> she keeps sticking herself in there. Uh, you know, she she canceled it and said that it wouldn't look good, you know, because of the private money. Whatever. I'm not getting into that. I had done the research and found that, is- that ev- every team that went to went overseas on or on some level of a foreign trip in the summer previous, every single one of those teams yep. turned out to have at least a share of a championship. 
regular season yeah. or or tournament championship. That's true. That is ab- that, you are absolutely right. That is absolutely ridiculous. For the last well, for the last 13 years that's been the case. Butler, yeah. Cleveland State, mm-hmm. Detroit, Valparaiso, yes. us. There's you just don't you cannot go forward. Like you, you, you cannot go to on a foreign trip and not get a major boost. I think I found it was something like uh, that. You want the teams won on average of four point six more victories than the season before. Um, the on the on the flip side, the um, they lost about three and a half fewer games than the season before. Obviously, that's just you know some moving around, but. Sometimes that's enough to put a team over the hump. Now yeah. for Cleveland State, I wouldn't like turn around and expect that to happen this year. You know, I wouldn't expect to hold you know have a championship this year. But the uh, this idea that a kid like Appleby expects that to happen is a big deal because it changes the culture. Yeah, and Felton is a guy who can turn things around fast. We've seen him do it before. Mm-hmm. We've seen him do it before. So knowing that he's like that and knowing that the, you know, knowing that the teams get two weeks of practices, five games against, you know, mostly full professional teams, Mm -hmm. this bonding experience of a foreign trip that not just bonds them to the, the, the themselves, but to the team and to the program. I get to go on this trip because of what Cleveland State did for me. Mm-hmm. That's something that I don't think people think about all that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, we didn't we didn't lose anybody special to transfer. That wasn't that just wasn't something that would happen. So it's it, it's it's a huge deal for Cleveland State to be able to do this. And maybe you're not winning a championship this year, but don't tell Appleby that. No, no, <laughs> and, and 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 you you never you never know, because we we were talking about it about the re, the recruits you know after the signing period and seeing maybe no you know nobody's gonna maybe we don't think anybody's gonna take on Northern Kentucky but honestly, mm-hmm. you you never know with this conference. This is Rice State gets picked for nine. Rice State gets picked for ninth and goes you know goes to championship game. We get picked for ninth, and we win the championship in fourteen. Like there's just, there's so many. There, there. It's so hard to predict, especially now. Yeah. Especially yeah. now when this conference has fallen off. There's, there's absolutely the possibility for a team to come in, put a few, put a, put a few major pieces together, and go on a run and win the championship and represent the Horizon League in the NCAA tournament. So it could be, very well could be Cleveland State. That's the kind of program, man. That's the kind of program. I'm totally. I'd be totally okay with that. Um, I think the other thing too, and I think this is, and I, given that, and to your point about the the you know, the boost and wins um, after you know, as a result of ha- getting you know having a you know summer trip of any sort you're talking about a cleveland state team that how many how many games last year did they lose by less than by you know two or three points how many of those i mean yeah they were two and yeah yeah, they were like 12 and 23 there were i out of that 23 losses i could point out at least half of those losses that could have you know could have swung another swung another way and if if this is an opportunity to swing the pendulum on the winning side you know i'm all i'm totally all for it and i I, you know given that nucleus that they have with with kenich with appleby with uh with thomas and with um because they've got that uh kid from uh depaul al eichelberger coming in too he's been practicing and i know he's chomping at the big to get on the court right now you got those guys in and even though you're a super young team and they are they are a super young team i don't think they have any seniors coming back you still have kind of this core that you know they they've got the talent and in Alpha you've got the swagger 
that could certainly make some things happen. I definitely do not see the, you know, as everybody has said over, you know, ever since, uh, ever since the end of the season, this is not a Cleveland state team that is going to backslide. I don't think this is definitely not that type of team. Oh, I would not expect that at all. If they if all. they if they'd had a backslide, then that would just be a year uh, where Felton brought in some guys that he wasn't expecting to kind of be the players. They didn't turn out to be who, what he was looking for, and that that very well could be the case. I mean, that sometimes that happens. There are misses on recruiting, yes. but when you have a guy like Felton who's been around for twenty plus years, guy coached with Herrick, a guy, there's no. I don't expect that guy to miss on a lot of recruits. Actually, he's the coach, coach who replaced Herrick. Remember? That's what I, uh, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the so, guy who replaced Herrick in Georgia. Yeah. And that was and how much of a mess was Georgia after Herrick left? Seriously. Rough. They were real yeah. rough. So I mean, this isn't anywhere. This is, was not even anywhere near that big uh, Iraq so no and and even yeah and you talk you know you talk about the recruits that yeah you might you, know, you might miss on but at the same time you know who before last year heard of you know St- uh, Steph Kenich I mean the guy was playing he actually missed the summer because he was paying for the uh Serbian national team all and, rub on, yeah. yeah yeah he didn't he, he just came out of nowhere and now mm-hmm. he's got a now he's got a some now he he gets a he gets the summer that he didn't have last year to develop. So imagine what he's going to be like this year. Well, I mean, I don't know how the strength and conditioning coach situation is over there. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it is at uh, Cleveland, uh, you know, at that at that school, but they've got, uh, you know, the summers are always great. Yeah. For most, always great for at least, you know, half the kids. Some kids will, you know, you never you never know what's going on with some people because. Maybe there's something going on in their life. Maybe they don't have the opportunities, and you just don't know about it to develop. We we had that with a couple kids, where people will be like, "Wow, this kid regressed this year." It's like, yeah, but you didn't know that he had, uh, you you didn't know that he spent half the summer in the hospital, or you didn't know that he spent a bunch of time with his, uh, you know, he, he spent a he's about a bunch of time out because he was, you know, in like rehab or something. Like <laughs> sometimes there's just a. Uh, Sometimes you just don't hear about things That's with true. players. So, you know, hopefully he takes the summer and really works on his game. Um, yeah. One thing I, I think a lot of kids need is they need to not be, you know, they need the time away from it. Yeah. Because when you're in school full-time and you're a player full-time, you need that, you need that release of not being a full-time athlete and full-time student. That's why I didn't think it was all all entirely that good that these guys like were able to play a bunch of summer practices. I mean, I, I, it's good that we get it, but I'm glad that they didn't make it like year round. Like, they, sure, they they very well could have allowed the teams to just do like you know five you know ten practices a week year round if they wanted to, but they're I'm glad that they didn't because. The kids need some kids need a break, and that's also also what summer is is about getting a break and you know re- getting some perspective. Yeah, yeah. Even the pros get an off season. That's right. <laughs> so, um, so that was it. You know, again, that uh, the one thing that I also did want to touch on today, um, this episode is the, you know, the the recruiting period's over. I mean, I mean, the signing period's over. Obviously, you may still get a couple of uh, you know grad transfer signings and you know kids who enroll a little late because again, it's Cleveland State situation. That's what happened in Steph Kenich's situation, and they've got a couple of they still have a couple of scholarships to give. Um, but by and large, I know, and I know we talked a lot about we did talk about you know where Northern Kentucky is at, and I. Like you said, you never know, especially with what we have, you know, just the volatility within the conference. But does there, do you see, other than kind of some surprise, like maybe a Cleveland State just over, you know, it does far better than any of us ever expected and 
kind of leapfrogs over everybody in year two of the Felton era, which I personally would think would be awesome. But, you know, obviously I'm realistic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, part, part, part of the problem is that as long as we are, as long as we have this, as long as we have this uh, format for the conference tournament, there's always mm. going to be a much higher possibility of somebody coming up from the lower, the lower level. Sure. To to knock somebody off in the tournament, and it, I think part and of the come out of nowhere. norm because people expect it. I think the I think that this this conference tournament really has become the tournament of you know the people who are not in the conference because so I worry about you know maybe they'll come into it and think about it that hey you know this is a all the best teams haven't done it that means we we have to do it differently we have to make sure that we don't you know take the first game lightly or whatever they got to do but at the same time all that stuff has happened yeah so you never know if you never know if you're doing it the right way because you won't know until you lose. That's true. And because this, this conference is so down, even over the regular season, the chance that somebody can come in and knock you off is pretty high. I mean, look at Oakland. Oakland had a, a team coming in this year that we were sure. So many people were sure that that was the team. That there wasn't going to be, you know, Northern Kentucky was, you know, kind of close with the talent. UIC was in the neighborhood with the talent. You know, Wright State had a good coach and maybe not quite as much talent, but they could get. It was just, but but we all were pretty sure Oakland was going to be the team. And they were. That, that losing to Youngstown State in the semifinal or the, you know, the quarterfinals was kind of a, you know, that was a fluke. And that there's no way Greg Campy's gonna, you know, let that fluke, can you know that, that fluke continue? You know, there's no way it's gonna let that become a norm. But it, I mean, they 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 didn't be the player, and part of it's because they had a lot of they had some new guys come in there. But part of it's just it's just the, the conference was so hectic. You have a couple injuries that kind of change how the makeup of the team is. Maybe the guy, you know, Kendrick Nunn, maybe was a, you know, maybe was a good player, but maybe he didn't quite fit the way they were hoping he would. And all of a sudden, it's it was a wide open thing, and Oakland wasn't, you know, Oakland wasn't nearly the far and away best team in the conference this year. No. So we we look at Northern Kentucky's roster and we think, well, they've. They've you know kept a lot of these players together. I mean, who really? Who did? Who did? Who did they lose? I, I want to make sure I recap this. Who's Northern Kentucky lose? Um, Carson Williams. Team. They lost Carson Williams Which, and they lost Faulkner. I think those are the only two I can think. Of. I know, and there might be one or two others, but Faulkner and Williams were the two that they lost. Okay. So it's not a. Uh, it's not completely. Uh, yeah, they haven't lost everything. They no. didn't lose McDonald. No, they didn't lose. Um, you know, they didn't. They didn't lose a bunch of bad. You know, a bunch of players that makes it impossible for them to do well. No. So, so they'll, they'll probably be fine. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. I, at, at this point in time, I I just, I yeah I I think it's I still. I'm of the opinion that the league is, is theirs to lose, but there's always that possibility where they run into a uh, quarterfinal matchup of which they don't get past again. There is no player. There's no, if there's anything the horizon league has convinced me of in the last couple of years is that there's no, there's no team who has it and it's theirs to lose. That's just not, just ain't the case anymore. Well, um, yeah, I guess when, I guess when your one seats always seem to lose in the conference tournament, <laughs> that, 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 that tends to happen. Yeah. Right. No. Um, well, I, I guess we wouldn't be remiss if we weren't on, uh, we weren't on Detroit mercy coach watch still, you know, this, 
<laughs> I feel like, yeah, uh, I feel like every time I say that, you know, I, I, I hearken back to the uh, the uh, Anchorman thing, Panda Watch. <laughs> Panda Watch. <laughs> he won't, he, they won't interview us because the panda would kill us. Panda jerk. Oh, well, get up, his, uh, you know, start moving. <laughs> but yeah, this is, it, it, yeah, the saga is still going on. I, you would, I mean, seriously, it did an entire episode where I was thinking, yeah, they're going to make the announcement this week. And it's like, this was two weeks ago, the last episode. And it's, you know, you, you, it still didn't happen. But allegedly, there's a new name in, out in the mix in Mike Davis. Yeah. Formerly of, uh, formerly of UAB, formerly of Indiana, now currently at, at Texas Southern. Um, well, I will say this, especially at a school like Detroit, where the research isn't as big of a thing. Uh-huh. There are very few hires at a university that are as important to get right as the men's basketball coach. Yep. Because if you have a good men's basketball coach, if you have a really good men's basketball coach and they can do something really special with a basketball team, you know, it can be a, it can make or break a university in a lot of ways. Um, we're, we are seeing the, the benefits of Loyola hiring Porter Moser, you know, taking advantage of those facilities that MVC move. You know, he was the right guy and we're seeing the article that, uh, Darren Ravel had on ESPN.com Loyola's, uh, Loyola's donations to the athletic department raised 27%. Loyola's donations to the university raised 660%. Man. Um, that's enormous. I mean, that is just flat out so important for a university. And I sent that to, I sent that to Mark Money, our chancellor, and I said, you know what? This is why you should actually be involved in the hiring process of your basketball coach. Mm, yeah. A real, yeah. I realized that you got all uh, that, you know, you, you had second thoughts when after the Jeter firing about hiring TJ Otzelberger. So you went, you, you changed your mind and hired Laval Jordan. It worked out. Both of those coaches are great. But the last year, you know, he wasn't even there for the interview process. He wasn't there to interview Dana Ford. He wasn't inter- there to interview Pat Baldwin. He let, um, you know, Amanda Braun made that decision. So if Pat Baldwin doesn't turn out to be a coach, you know, in my mind, the chancellor has that, it takes, you know, has a big problem, you know, big, big part of the blame on that as well. Not just her because she's an ax wound, terrible person, but. Well, the other issue here with, with Detroit is we don't know who's involved in the process because it, it's, well, it, they're, on, they're on lockdown. <laughs> as far it's as a, information part, of, part of it's the private school thing. And that's okay. All because. Right. Yeah, part part of it's about yeah, part part of it's about making sure that you're doing your due diligence, and I'm okay with it being private as long as uh, somebody's actually doing the job. If they're if they are if they are giving it if if it's taking this time because they want to make sure that they've got that they take all of the time they need to get it right, then that's one thing. If they're taking all this time because they're literally offering it to anybody and everybody's saying no, then <laughs> that's a, that's, that's a much worse problem because I, 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 what I don't want, what you don't want is to find that, Detroit hasn't picked a guy because they have picked a guy and every guy has said no, or maybe they can't even get somebody to interview. I mean, I I've, I've literally heard like Lindsay Hunter's name come up multiple times. They're just, they're just like, let's, let's, what about this person? What about this guy? Mm-hmm. The Davis, Mike Davis coming into Detroit would be kind of an interesting Not situation. Like a possible code. It's just Detroit. Just they, they're there's, it's so much. It's on the surface, on everywhere else, it's such a bad idea for a job. 
and then on top of that, it's such a bad idea for it. It's just a, it, it, it doesn't seem like anything special about this job. You know, it, it's not the job that it was in the seventies. It's not the job that it was in 2007 or 2008 or whenever Ray McCallum senior took the job, but then you flip it around and now it's just, it's, it's worse. You know, they've had so many scandals and so many players have gotten in trouble. And the university's finances are in such incredible disarray. And the the neighborhood's not getting better. And there's there's no there's zero interest. And unlike some of our schools, you know, Madison's an hour, you know, Madison's over an hour away. Uh-huh. Columbus ain't down the street from Cleveland State. Ann Arbor is like what a half hour drive from UDM's campus. Something like that, so, yeah. So they're they've just got they've got such an uphill battle that I worry that a few of these kind of these coaches are are interviewing for the job and they're thinking, damn, you know, like there, yeah, there's only 350 of these jobs, and I want one. Obviously, Mike Davis has one at the moment, but do I really want to go work there when the last coach only lasted two years? And the coach before that was fired because the only success he had was with his own high, highly rated recruit son. And the guy before him had before the guy before that guy had a lot of success, but it was, uh, you know, it was a decade before he retired. I mean, Detroit, and do I really want to like you know? Is it really like a, a great Division One program when I'm playing in front of the same 300 people every game? Detroit Mercy's got some real, real, real problems. And Carrick brought up uh, Carrick and uh, what, what do we have Matt from Oakland when you guys did the yep. the battle royale? Carrick and Matt, that's right. Yeah, so we had Carrick and Matt, and they were both talking about how. You know, the, the, I think you brought up how Felton's been recruiting Detroit. Yes, he and, has. And both of them have been saying, we started saying, well, yeah, but the level of talent in the city of Detroit has just completely fallen off. And if you look at it, like a lot of these, like, you know, maybe they, they've got a few recruits, but the talent pool really, I mean, he's right. It's, it's not what it was. You know, Carrick actually like took it as a, uh, as an insult that Clarkson with Dylan Alderson and those guys would win the state championship that like a suburban school goes and wins a, you know, a suburban non Detroit school wins a state title that it's like an insult, but that's what happens when the talent's not there. So, so if they've got, if, so if I'm a, if I'm a coach and I'm looking at Detroit Mercy as a possible place to, to take my services and I'm a coach that could get a division one head coaching job, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at Detroit and seeing it's in complete disarray. The money, the money is in a bad spot. There's little to no support for the program. The talent pool for recruiting is weak. The player is going to Ann Arbor or or Michigan State or anywhere else because the, the scouts are still there. Even though the talent's fall, fallen off, the scouts are still in Detroit. You have an NBA team down the street. Yep. So there's all there's NBA scouts are there, which means that there's gonna be, you know, there's gonna be college scouts seeing these players. It's a I I look at Detroit Mercy as a no win job. It has one thing going for it, and it's having the conference tournament in their house. That hasn't done that hasn't done squat for them so far. But it's like the one real positive that the program has, in my opinion. Um, also, you know, if they really wanted to cook the books and get into being a banded program, they can do that. But 
I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at that as a positive as a coach. So when you look at a Mike Davis, who's been in, yeah, what, what would, the, what would be the appeal for him then? To, I mean, is well, it because the appeal? Yeah, the appeal for a Mike Davis, you know, being the Indiana head coach, UAB, now Texas Southern. I mean, I, I, this is a guy who's he's been working himself down the food chain. And he's had enough success at the bottom of the Division One head coaching food chain that he can get back up a rung. So he's that's what I'm seeing if I'm Mike Davis. Uh, I'm also seeing a conference that is eminently winnable if I can get players to play for me. This is a this is a conference that you can win. You can come in. You can have. You can come in in June. You can. Take a job. You can put together a couple recruits, maybe get a one little gem in there. Take a take a full season to recruit guys, and you're recruiting guys to say, "Hey, you're going to step in and be the guy, or you know, be the starters immediately." That's something that certain teams can't do. And you're Mike Davis, who's been in the national championship game, who's been a you know he's been. Uh, he's been a great coach for a very long time. And I look at that, that I look at, you know, if I'm Mike Davis, I think that maybe I can, maybe I could be the guy that could turn the program around. And if you can turn around Detroit mercy and turn Detroit mercy into a horizon league championship program for men's basketball, you know, without the benefit of like having your son as the, as a recruit, as Ray Senior had, like legitimately doing it. If you can turn Detroit Mercy around, you can. I mean, you you can get that next job. You know, that's the, the, Mike Davis. You know, if he, I, I would look at it as I can come into Detroit if I can make that work. And if he believes he can make it work, he could look at. Maybe you know you're not looking at a job like an Ohio State job, but you could look at being like the next Penn State head coach. Sure. Or you could, or you could be the next Rutgers head coach, or you could be the next. Um, you know, you could you could get hired in to be the next Seton Hall coach. You know, these guys you know, that that's the opportunity that's there for you know somebody who's been around the block a bunch, but. You know they've had their opportunity with the high major and they they squandered it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know they can get back at that high major. I mean he was he was at Indiana, which and following Bobby Knight, nobody you know he you can't follow a coach like Bobby Knight and be a success in a lot of people's eyes. The you got to remember in Indiana, a lot of those people saw the real enemies were the administration, not yep. Bobby Knight. So. And it's really truly been a hell of a time for all of those guys coming out of it. Yeah. So him, Samson, Crean, all of those guys have been, you know, have had a, a hell of a time trying to placate the Indiana faithful. But True. in Detroit Mercy, it's gonna be hard. Mike Davis, he might be the guy. if he if he's willing to take it, if he believes if he truly believes he can succeed in that spot, then I would I would say go for it. Yeah, and if I were Detroit Mercy, I would I would I would pay him what I, what I could because Mike Davis is a good coach. I truly believe that Mike Davis is a good basketball coach. Sure. So I I, I would I would I would believe that Mike Davis could be the guy. Um, yeah. It's just a matter of whether Mike Davis believes he can do that or not. And he may. I mean, he, he, I, I, he may. I mean, maybe that's why his name has come up because he is, he, you know, he's at Texas Southern right now and he's been to the NCAA tournament, I think, at least three times in that situation. And, and the other thing too with Texas Southern, when he first got hired, he got hired in like August of 2012. So he already knows. So, he already he's already had the the late off season hiring yeah. yeah 
Mm -hmm. So he's kind of been down that road before, and it's not a deterrent for him. So I, I think you're probably if you're looking at if Mike Davis does make it to Detroit Mercy, I think you I, I think you're kind of onto something there where if he can he can show everybody he can turn this this program around that's just so low at this point in time. That's that that's you know that's the potential for some maybe not maybe not the top tier coaching jobs out there but this, uh, maybe a 10 state maybe a rutgers that also needs that help <laughs> down right. the road absolutely so, so all right so um with that uh we will close out this uh this episode uh just a programming note next uh we will be probably back in sometime in June, we will definitely not be, uh, we will definitely not be recording on Memorial day weekend. So everybody enjoy that holiday. I, I, I should definitely explain another reason why we might not be back for a while. I'm moving. So yes. number one, if anybody wants to buy a, a beautiful house in the candy cane lane neighborhood of West Dallas, Wisconsin, call <laughs> my parents and make an offer three bedrooms. It's great. Um, you know, it's just my dad and I are fixing it up. So we can sell. So he can sell this house. My wife and I are moving on June first into her parents' house for a month. Yay! And we'll spend that month living there, and then we will be uh, moving into our new townhouse in on July first. And in the middle of that, I'm going to help my sister move on June 10th. So we definitely won't have an episode June uh, recorded on June 10th. But I'm moving three households in a month and fixing up this household. Yeah. Month so, of June's going to be interesting for Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy, you know, send your well wishes. Uh, I, I might start a GoFundMe account so that I can, you know, pay for some kind of, some, some kind of sedatives <laughs> to, to keep, to keep me sane so um yeah so uh be like we said before at the beginning of the podcast uh just uh you know follow us on twitter at high rise on rt we will definitely have we'll definitely have some updates on uh when the next podcast is going to be which is kind of uh uh june's probably iffy <laughs> at this point well we might we might we might find a, a sunday yeah. morning might, in june to recruit or record something so yeah so uh yeah so stay posted there um as always episodes of the horizon roundtable can be found on sportshacks.com sportshax.com and always you can find uh podcasts where you can find podcasts link uh tune in uh was it itunes stitcher you name it you're in pocket cast i'm on pocket cast i've got this i'll get a nice nice uh reminder that this will happen in a few days that yeah. hey by the way you were talking on the podcast so yeah, look forward go. to that there you go all right so and oh uh, google play google i i use google play music so all right so uh yeah, well, absolutely so state so uh th- again thank as always thanks for listening and uh we'll we'll see you again soon take care everybody